Kappa Care, a podcast series about Canadian family caregivers, their diversity, their roles, their experiences, and what they've learned that might help each of us to see care in a new way. In this show, we keep things grounded in real experience and remember that those experiences are unique from person to person. In each episode, we will meet a new family caregiver and chat with them over a kappa. Hi, and welcome to the Family Caregiving Series. My name is Siptain. I'm in my final year of an undergraduate degree in physiology and pharmacology. I'm trying to pursue a career in healthcare, and I have a unique interest in the different perspectives of healthcare and what they may look like to different people. And I'm Catherine, but everyone calls me Katie. I'm a PhD student in psychology with many interests focused around people's lived experience of significant transitions. I'm passionate about learning from older adults and their families, be that through my research or volunteer work. Each Cup of Care episode has three segments. In the first, we'll introduce the topic of the day. Then in the next, we'll speak with a family caregiver who will share their story with us. In the last, we'll reflect on what we learned. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Daryl about his experience of family caregiving and what it means to be a male family caregiver. Katie, when I think back on the episodes we've done so far, all of the family caregivers we've interviewed have happened to be women. This is surprising since, according to Statistics Canada, men account for nearly half of all Canadian caregivers. And so I'm really happy to have Daryl here today so we can learn more about what makes his experience unique as a family caregiver. In my experience, most of the research on caregiving has been done with women and by women. This suggests some bias in research, yet studies suggest a contributing factor is that many men do not refer to themselves as caregiver. Instead, they simply identify as a relative, such as a son or husband, despite performing work that women identify as caregiving. No matter what the reason, men's contributions to long-term caregiving are under-recognized. I'm curious if the supports, barriers, networks, and the overall experience of giving care is different for men and women. Statistics Canada says that overall, considering any kind of caregiving, women are more likely to accept family caregiving work that involves more than 20 hours per week commitment. Yet, I just read a new study suggesting that in long-term care, husbands spend significantly more time in caregiving roles than daughters, sons, or wives. Now, it seems like there's a lot to unpack here, and in these situations, there's nothing better than talking with someone past first-hand experience. I'd like to start by asking, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I have a wife who spend most of her time at home with the kids while they're growing up. And I have two daughters, both in university. I'm an engineer by trade, worked in the oil industry for many years, software development work as well. What has your experience been like as a family caregiver? I guess the biggest thing it did, you're focusing on your family, raising your kids. And then all of a sudden it comes back into the fold where your parents, they, they need some support, they need some help. I have two sisters as well. They live an hour, just about an hour outside. So being the one that was here, I was the one that did a lot of the daily visits, essentially, and helped arrange certain things. Nightly visits, when something happened, I had to go over and help out. Those are kind of my experiences where I never really thought about it. You see from the outside, people doing a lot of stuff for their parents when you're kind of in that, focusing on your family when your kids are young. 
you see people with older kids focusing more on doing a lot for their parents. You don't really think about it until all of a sudden it happens. And these are the people that raised you, the people that took care of you, the people that guided you, made you the person you are. And then all of a sudden things turn and they need your help. Probably spent the first 40 some years of my life with them supporting me. And then all of a sudden you kind of turn and they need your support. Everything suddenly turns. It was really hard to watch them kind of go down. Uh, my mom's condition, she had that condition for a couple of years before I was involved. And the thing is, I kind of noticed something in my mind, but I kind of had a refusal to accept that it was actually happening. And and I do remember that saying when my dad would make a comment, I'd say, oh, I, I don't think it's that, you know. I wouldn't blow them off, but I would try to justify and compartmentalize it in my mind. The thing that really thrust me into the role was we had a family tragedy where my sister lost her son. She was the one that had spent a lot of time with them. She had spent a lot of time helping my parents out. With the loss of her son, she pulled back and focused on her family, which obviously makes sense. For me, it made sense for me to step in and move into the role where I attended doctor appointments with my parents. You know, I went to the house and arranged things for them. I drove them around. I made sure to take care of maintenance issues, everything from mowing the grass to cleaning up in the yard to doing some things in the house. So I did a lot of that type of stuff. From there on, I was really kind of the primary person for calls from doctor offices, from pharmacies, uh, things of that nature. So I took care and paid a lot of their bills and did a lot of that stuff for them. I do want to talk more about how you mentioned at first, you almost didn't want to accept some of the signs you were seeing of that early maybe deterioration. So my sisters had pointed out over the last year and a half, two years that they had noticed my mom declining. And I remember my dad made some comments where, yeah, your mom just, she's not really remembering things. And, uh, you know, she's losing some stuff and not knowing where she's putting it. And I'm thinking, well, that happens to all of us, dad, where we're all at that point. You know, maybe I wasn't as accepting as I should have been at that time. Gave my dad some pushback when maybe I probably should not have. So I was probably a year and a half two years behind everyone else in realizing the point that we were at. So when I start putting everything together at the time in December when my nephew passed away, seeing that doctor's appointment, uh, my mom at the doctor's appointment, I realized that I really missed the signs. I didn't really realize where my parents were at at that time. Did gender ever play a factor into those discussions about caregiving roles? Yes and no. You know, I, I could help my dad get dressed. I could help my dad in the shower. I could do stuff like that. But for me to help my mom was, I, I can't help my mom in the shower. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not wired that way to be able to do that comfortably. So what we ended up doing was we brought in somebody that would come in a couple times a week and maybe help my mom with the shower thing, as well as they had kind of an outreach or day program where 
you could take dementia patients in. We'd take her down at uh, noon and she would stay till four o'clock. You know, they would do her hair. They would give her a bath if we wanted to. And and they would do stuff like that. They would have games for them, bring somebody in maybe to sing or to play some music, you know, just stuff like that to kind of give other people a break. And then it gave opportunities for my dad to meet with friends of his. I would take him down for coffee and, and spend an hour. He'd visit with people and have coffee with them. And then, so it gave us the opportunity to get, let him get a break from things as well. It also allowed the health nurse to monitor my mom as well, see where things were at. Because what we were trying to do as well as we were looking at evaluating and seeing where things were at to set her up to potentially go into a, a home at some point. What does it mean for you to support your parents as they've gotten older? They would never ask for help. Not in a million years. They kept things to themselves. You know, with everything my dad was doing initially to help my mom, they kept a lot to themselves. The one time that really struck me, this was like two months after my nephew had passed away. I was going over and visiting them and everything. And then there was a doctor's appointment coming up. I'll attend the doctor's appointment with them because they had went one time without anybody there. And it was kind of confusing. And the doctor's office just asked if, if somebody could come for their next appointments. You know, I said, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely go. I'll be there. So I met them at the doctor's office. My dad drove up in the truck and when I saw him driving at that point, I was like, you probably shouldn't be driving that vehicle at that point. He needed something smaller. And even then I was questioning his ability to drive anymore. My mom got out of the truck. Her shoes were on the wrong feet. Her hair was a mess. She had remnants of food on her chin. Her sweater was on inside out and backwards. And it was dirty. And at that point, it really struck me as to the struggles that my dad had because he was also in a deteriorating condition. So that there really hit me hard. And that's when I knew that, uh, you know, I really had to step up even more. Do you think that can also bring a lot of stress to you personally when you're giving that care to kind of feel those expectations that you're putting on yourself? For sure. It definitely was. You're splitting your time between two families. I'd stop and visit my mom and dad every day after work. I was always an early person into work. I'd go into work at six because I'm a morning person. It worked out in the sense that I would leave at four. Just after four, I'd stop by my mom and dad's. It still gave me time. I'd go there for an hour and then I'd go home and it still gave me time before supper to spend time with the kids and see how their day was and how my wife's day was. And then We'd have supper and do our thing. Sometimes I'd go back at night and take the kids back. My kids were old enough to drive. There's times I'd ask them to go over and visit my mom and dad because I, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore and just needed a break for myself. So there's definitely stress aspects because you feel that you're being pulled in so many different directions. What does quality of life look like for your parents? What it did look like before everything was, was happening is quality of life was Two people that uh, my dad played a lot of musical instruments. My mom enjoyed sitting and listening. They would travel around to all these different 
little jam sessions that they would have with the neighbors and uh, with friends. They would travel to different little music festivals in small towns and go listen and play and all of these. So they spent a lot of time doing their own thing, enjoying their life, which, you know, they earned at that point. Stopping by, visiting the kids, coming by for coffee, spending time with us on holidays. And then post, once my mom was uh, going towards declination and with her dementia, a little more reclusive. My dad would be finishing my mom's sentence when they went somewhere. He always kept an eye on her. Essentially, try to hide the fact of uh, where they were. They ate out a lot, eating all this fast food and so forth. They quit vacationing. They didn't travel anymore. You know, they just really pulled everything in and did not do what they doing prior to that. So the quality of life was reduced significantly. What do you wish you had known earlier about being a family caregiver? If you could go back in time, what would you tell yourself? Look at the signs. Be a little more observant to things. Don't brush things off, focusing on everything I got going in my life. Stop, go back, and enjoy the moments more. You hit the point where it's more of a accomplishments and less about living. I finished this task. Okay, what's next? Here's a promotion opportunity for me in this area. So I'm going to focus on getting that. I'm going to focus on getting this. Slow down. Enjoy the moments, not looking at everything as so much a task, and I have to fill my time. Enjoy the downtime where there's nothing to do. Sit back, reflect, and just enjoy that time. Enjoy sitting and visiting. It was a Saturday around noon. We had put my mom in a home by this time, and I was sitting there, and we just sat at the table and had a real visit, a visit that it felt like we just hadn't had in a long time. It wasn't a visit about what my kids are doing. We talked about on the farm when we were doing uh, different jobs and we were work things we were working on 30 years before that. Just a genuine visit. If I could go back in time, it would be, you know, look for those moments and uh, really enjoy them. What would your message be to family caregivers who are finding themselves at a similar position in their life? You don't know how long and any anything's going to you know, last or how long it's going to go. I worked with my parents to get all of their financial aspects in order and to get things in line, set up, make sure his will was up to date and got everything kind of lined up and set up there, understood his finances with him, knowing the banks he's dealing with, knowing where the money's at, things of that nature, so that we can continue to make the bill payments and everything. That is an important aspect and to make sure that everything is is set up and set up jointly. If you have siblings, set everything up jointly so that one sibling couldn't just make a bunch of financial decisions. It had to be all of us, just for transparency's sake. Because you don't know how fast people are going to deteriorate or what they're or what point they're going to hit. They can no longer make those decisions and everything is kept is kind of hung in limbo because it's a very long, tedious process to get things squared away with lawyers, even when everybody is sound mind and body. So once they hit that threshold, it's an unbelievably hard process to get things squared away after the fact. If you see it coming, give the other parent a break periodically. Don't put it all on them. 
something like dementia as they decline the different states they go through, where suddenly they may lash out, things of that nature. You know, just to be aware of it, because it hit the point where with my dad's health condition, my mom could move faster than him. He fell a couple times, scraped himself up, being aware of these things and giving them the break, however you can to help set them up for a little more success and longevity. If you can give them that break, maybe it'll give them some extra time that they can dig deep and get the wherewithal to deal with the condition and come back into the game energized to take it on again. There's a limit to what you can do because everybody's got to continue making their own life too. I firmly believe there's a point where people know they're getting dementia, they know their condition, and it's really hard for them. And to put them in a home at that time, I don't know if that's fair either. It's a real tough, tough situation. I think to keep them moving as normally as you can for the longest time, if you can split some things up, give them that break to help them get re-energized, that's definitely something I would recommend to people. You know, look for those opportunities like we when I got my mom in the continuing care where it gave my dad a break, but do that more often. My dad said, no, only once or twice a week, but honestly, we should have been doing it three or four times a week just to give him that break so that he could be energized, do his own thing. When she came home, be ready to take it on again. What have you learned along the way? Have those moments, quality moments with family, because family is forever. You'll be happier for it. My dad passed away last summer. Through this whole thing, the time we sat and talked and the things we did, that was actually perfect for me and really kind of reconnect and remember the things we did. My mom was the one I always talked finances with. And she was the one that if I was switching to a new job or something like that, she was the one I would always talk about that with. Her and I both had a lot of the same interests, so it was really easy to chat with her about that. Life is precious. Time is precious. You've got to live your life and do your own thing, absolutely. But you also can't forget about those around you. You can't forget about family. It doesn't mean you spend four months a year together, but it just means that when you do spend time together, you spend real good time together and you enjoy it. You sit, you visit, you really focus on taking advantage of it while you can. In terms of, I think, gender roles and caregiving, one thing that really struck out to me was even if there may not be explicit expectations for you to, you know, take on that caregiving role, sometimes people can just have their own perceptions of what it means to be a caregiver, of what their roles and responsibility are. Maybe people that are in that position need to perhaps just step back, reflect on what's important in their life to reach out for help and support. Because even Daryl mentioned that there were times when he needed breaks. Even the people that were, he was caring for needed breaks. We came into this with a sort of conception that part of what we wanted to think about was the intersection of gender, so being male and caregiving. But I'm not totally sure that it that the gender was even the most important 
um, thing in this conversation today. Actually, I'm pretty confident it wasn't. And in terms of a caregiving perspective, I think what really stood out to me was how important it is that the people that you're caring for also have that quality of life. Because like Daryl mentioned, one partner's health or his, his mother's health was directly determining the health of his father too. So not only do you have to look at them individually and make sure their health needs are met, but also are they still able to enjoy that same quality of life? And even if it's not the same, are they able to make the most out of it? And at the end of the day, it's really about family, right? Spending time together, about caring for one another. And so instead of looking out for the individual health of family members, I think you need to look at the health of the entire family together. Well, thanks so much for listening to the show this week. And if you're a family caregiver, thanks for all the work you do and for taking time to be with us today. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts or watch for these and other resources at appliedinterprofessionalresearch.com and www.spaltc.ca. This series is produced in collaboration with creative partners from the Strengthening of Palliative Approach and Long-Term Care Team and Saskatchewan Long-Term Care Network. Advisory support for this project was provided by Dr. Natasha Hubbard-Murdoch from Saskatchewan Polytechnic and Dr. Paulette Hunter from St. Thomas Brown College. Technical support was provided by Media Production Specialist Greg Olson from Audio Visual Services at Saskatchewan Polytechnic. In addition to Saskatchewan Polytechnic's financial contribution, production of this podcast has been made possible through a financial contribution from Health Canada. The views expressed herein do not necessarily represent the views of Health Canada. Lastly, as with many things in life, this project would not have been possible without the direct contribution of family caregivers.